Next the show, J.C. Sherbert, Phil Mullinax. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Hope everyone's all right out there. And uh, I want to start off by apologizing for the podcast format not being up on time today. Sometimes when you're dealing with technology, things get stuck. We've had some stuck issues. I've had it on my end. Yesterday it was Phil. It's an epidemic. But, hey, look, we'll get those kinks ironed out, I think, 98% 98% of the time we have it up within an hour, but uh, sometimes it just, uh, when things get stuck, they get stuck, right? So, I mean, you know, two that inches of snow on the ground where I'm at. Speaking Ooh. of stuck, it's coming down. looks like a winter wonderland. I, I put a post up on my personal Instagram, Phil, uh, one of those reels, and I, it had the song um, Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, we got uh, a cold November rain here, JC. <laughs> That's what I heard. I, heard. I, was ta- I was actually talking to the guy that works with me on the website today, and he was like, "That's oh, cold outside." And he's in Colombia, mm. so. Um, you know, that's the deal there. Lots of negativity out there, as to be expected. Um, I- I'll continue to ask some of you to just kind of, you know, chill out a little bit when when it comes to Shane Beamer and. His, the job he's doing as head coach. Uh, I think it's perfectly fair to question why in the world he didn't get rid of Satterfield last year. Um, and and I, I think that anything, any kind of reason you can come up with doesn't hold water at this point, but it's also in hindsight. I think when you're looking at, oh, uh, well, you know, the, 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 the not having the players, not having the quarterback. What, you know, what's kind of funny to me is I don't think there's a single quarterback that could, they could run this, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, somebody said, what about Zeb Nolan? Zeb wasn't really all that good guys. Don't you remember? Uh, and Zeb was confused yeah. and trust me, I know some, some contacts and, uh, they said Zeb couldn't audible into the right stuff. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a situation. I mean, the best guy that if you really want to get down to it, the best quarterback that played in this system last year was to and Joyner followed by Jason Brown. And those guys were able to imp- improvise. Uh, Luke wasn't able to improvise a lot last year because of his foot. So that's, uh, you know, that's the bottom line. Uh, none of those reasons hold, I mean, but, but that's also in hindsight, in hindsight, you know, you'd probably do a lot of things different. Uh, all of us would in life. Um, what's important I think though, is this, and my tone will change and I'm not trying to be Pollyanna here, right? Because, I'll be honest, I'd have pulled the plug after Missouri immediately. Uh, Bye. See ya. I'm done. This is the second straight year you've gotten your ass handed to you by that team. Uh, Unacceptable University of South Carolina. Um, You know, and then after the daggum, there was no build on top of the Vandy performance. uh, And it just kind of reverted back. I I probably would have made the move that. I probably would have made the move after the Kentucky game last year. Just to be honest, that's when I kind of said, this guy really, I mean, I was at that game. I was like, this guy has no plan. Um, And I haven't seen a plan. Uh, Again, guys, think about this. You know, those of you that want to defend Satterfield, the the handful of you that are left, uh, I'll put, think about this. South Carolina has never had a good offensive game under Marcus Satterfield when they haven't been able to just line up and run it at will. Um. You know, against Vandy a couple of weeks ago, uh, one, you know, they weren't dominant on the ground, but they did rush for 208 yards. So, you know, even that game, which featured more passing and creativity, 
uh, unless they're able to line up and run it all. And, and you're just never going to be able to do that consistently in college football. So if that's your plan, that's not a very good plan. All right. Uh, I think it's important to be able to run the ball. No question. I agree with Shane on that when he starts talking about offenses and stuff. By the way, he was asked about some different offenses. And you notice he was like, well, you know, he didn't say much about the offense he runs. He was like, oh, yeah, well, I, I think you can have those kind of offenses, but you still need to be able to run it. I mean, look at, look at, look at the group coming in this week. They still run the ball. Yeah, still you know? effectively. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, so, so I get that. You know, and, and I agree that whatever's next, it needs to be a system that, you know, can run the football effectively. Uh, but you also need more than that these days, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's just not happening um, right now. Uh, and it's sad that, that, you know, Marshawn Lloyd was out uh, and all of a sudden things just fall apart. But, but Marshawn's such a talented player. Uh, he's what you call a different, you know, you're a difference maker. Uh, he's a difference maker, but he can't be. I mean, but he's not the only one. But everybody else is not in a good position to make a difference. I mean, I, I'm still trying to get over the fact that Austin Stogner played four snaps in the first half against Florida. I mean, I, what 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 was the what you know? And I love Nate Atkins, man, and I understand the the idea. You know, Nate's a good blocker. Get get the but. When you when you weren't able to open any holes for after the first couple of series, I mean, you got to come up with Plan B, you know, and, and and it's not the rally package, whatever the hell that was. No, I just think it it just further speaks to the ineptitude of personnel usage throughout. Well, Satterfield's entire tenure here. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can you know the the play calling leaves a lot to be desired. It's it's very below average to poor. Uh, there's not not a lot of feel, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, there's been some really boneheaded <laughs> calls at times and, and stuff like that. And there's been some good calls at times. I mean, the reverse against Kentucky worked, um, but not, not, not enough, not nearly enough. But the, the bigger problem to me is the personnel usage and just the, the complete lack of understanding as to who you have on your team. And I think that's half the battle in coaching, especially in college. You know, it, it is in a lot of ways about the Jimmys and Joes. I'm not talking about signing a bunch of five stars because obviously Texas A&M and Miami will show you that you can get the best roster money can buy and lose at home by, uh, what, 42 to Florida State or lose to Middle Tennessee at home or, you know, whatever dumpster fire type of deal Miami's doing right now. And doesn't matter uh, the tools you have if you don't know how to use them. Yeah, they, they did manage to beat Georgia Tech, but uh, – oh. You know, uh, uh, Texas A&M, obviously, things are not peachy in College Station with all those guys that they got. So I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about finding your best players and putting them in position to succeed. Go look at this Tennessee team's roster coming in. I do think Hooker was a four-star coming out. Um, How many five-star guys? I mean, Brew McCoy is a five-star guy that really, you know, Lucky to be even playing college football right now. He's made the most of his opportunity in that system. But, you know, Jalen Hyatt was a three-star. Uh, I think their backs were both three-stars. Uh, I think they have some highly rated guys on the O-line, maybe one or two in the secondary. But, you know, when you talk about baseline talent, I don't know that they're any better than Carolina. What they do have is, okay, my quarterback can run a little. He's very accurate. He throws a nice deep ball. He's big. 
So we'll run him. We've got two little quick backs that we can run, and we got an offensive line that's playing with confidence and can hold up. And we got this really fast guy on the outside. We're going to chunk it deep to, and then chuck it to all our other guys as well. That's called, and then on defense, they're limited. But what they do is they say, all right, well, you know, we're, we're not going to let you run on us. You know, we're going to sell out, stop the run. And if you complete a big pass, we don't really care because we're going to give the ball back to our offense anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an example of taking what players you have and maximizing. There's no earth, or sorry, there's no earth. There's no planet where, you know, and, and, and this was, this griped my butt in hindsight again the other week. Satterfield's like, well, we're still new into the system and figuring out what we want to be. And they spent 20 games, brother. Yeah. How much? I mean, yeah. <laughs> how much Not more new. time? I mean, this is college football. How much more time? Because there's about to be a new crop of players coming in. I mean, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard a coach say. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of stupid things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you know, hey, it's the system. Your system's not that good. I mean, even if they learn it completely, they're still throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage on checkdowns. <laughs> you know, you're still depending on perimeter blocking, which has been up and down at least. You never throw a snap slant. We've talked about the boots and waggles. Haven't we? Boots and waggles. Boots and waggles. I mean, you do nothing to help Spencer Rattler out with his skill set. Either you're just a, I mean, I'm like, how are you not a good evaluator? Because you got all these good quarterbacks that you've recruited. I mean, I just, I just don't get it. I mean, it, it's awful. Um, at the same time, I don't think that uh, if Shane Beamer made a move today, that that's going to make much of a difference. Uh, not, not in turn, and in fact, I think it could make the outcome, at least of the Clemson game, a little worse. Now, this game this weekend, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. The, yeah. Tennessee just put 66 on a top three defense in the league. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you're going to do. That's at home. Maybe that helps. Tennessee hadn't played very many road games at all. Uh, they lost the last one they played. I think Pitt and Georgia, and LSU at noon, which is not the same as LSU at night, as we all know. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this weekend, I, I just, shoot, I, I don't, I don't know what could happen there, there uh, for Carolina to even keep it close. Clemson's a different animal. They're not like Tennessee on offense. Their defense shows up half the time. Um, chances are they're going to show up and, and play like the crazy dominant tigers that we've been accustomed to seeing and, you know, peak, you know, they'll, they'll beat Miami pretty good. So they'll be peaking by the time they play, mm-hmm. just like they were last year. You won't be able to stop Will Shipley. Um, and their their defense will show up and play and dominate your offense, and it'll be another ugly loss. And that'll be like the longest winning streak in the history of the rivalry at that point ever. As much as Clemson's dominated South Carolina, I don't think they've ever won eight in a row. It's sad because I – when when this whole thing started with Clemson, everybody was like, well, it could be 10 in a row. And I, I didn't think that was possible. I was like, well, Carolina's always bounced back every four or five years. You know, yeah, you get one? Yeah, no, no. Mm-mm. Haven't mm-hmm. gotten one. Haven't even been close. Nope. <laughs> you didn't even score a damn point last year. <laughs> so, yeah, and I don't think handing uh, an assistant coach that this is not his system and, and this is not what he would do on offense and all that, the – Million bag of plays mm. or bag of a million plays. It's like a little leprechaun. Oh, me plays. Oh, me plays. 
<laughs> me back a million, please. Me back a million, please. Uh, I don't think handing the bag a million plays off and giving somebody three days, and yeah, you go call it. I don't think that's going to be pretty either. You know, mm-hmm. even on into next week. Keep in mind, guys, these guys don't practice Monday, Sunday through Friday. They practice like three days, have the walkthrough, go to film. So, you know, it, it, it's it's not as easy as, you know, let's hand somebody else the, the Xbox controller. Uh, I'm not defending it because I'm just the type that would have gotten rid of it. I mean, but that's just me. I don't coach. So, but if, if it were me on a website or managing a project or anything like that, uh, I'd have been done a long time ago. Um, I don't think, though, that it's an indictment on Shane Beamer. Uh, and people are like, he can't make the tough decision. Trust me. Uh, I, 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 I say trust me, but I've been, I've been surprised before with this guy, right? <laughs> um, namely last year. But I, I, he's not blind. And I, 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 I don't, you know, whereas I would have, like I said, I would have pulled the plug. I don't necessarily believe that, you know, it's going to be very damaging to the program other than fans continuing to rightfully be pissed off. Um, you know, while well, we all have to watch this guy coach game 24 and game 25. Now, if it gets beyond game 25, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's and that's, problems, yeah. that's when it's like, well, wait a minute. This just makes no sense at all. So, you know, and I think it's one thing to give a guy a chance and one thing to have faith and be positive, and it's quite another when it's just you can't accept reality. And, and I refuse to believe for as long as I've known Shane Beamer and as much as I like him and some of the, a lot of the things he's done as a head coach, I refuse to believe that he's delusional. I mean, I think there's a, he's a lot of things, and I understand that. And look, I'll be honest. I, I, I'm praying to the good Lord that he doesn't get up in his press conference here in a little bit and start talking about how close they were, okay? Because um, I think you could break down any play that doesn't work, and there's a lot of them that don't work in college football and go, or in football in general, say, oh, well, you missed a block here. Otherwise, we'd have done this. This is how close we are. You could do that with every single play. No matter what, you could have done that with Chuck Reedy in 1998, and that was a terrible offense. Brad Scott had to scrap it, and you know, scrap it and kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit during that. That's that season was one in ten, but you know, Brad was a play caller and could step back in. Um, and that the season didn't get any better. Offense looked a little better, but um, you know, I just, I, I just, I think some people that are venomously going out after Beamer. I mean, there's even a post on the Big Spur today. So just get rid of him and throw it all out. If Auburn and Arkansas can do it, Carolina can do it. I'm like, did South Carolina – wait a minute. Did I miss something, Phil? Did South Carolina lose by 26 points at home to Western Kentucky, uh, who was led by a quarterback that left? All right, so let's say Jason Brown had gone to Western Kentucky, right, during the offseason. Um, yeah. And he comes in, and they beat Carolina 45-19, and there's 30,000 fans there. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what got Ch- yeah. Chad Morris got <laughs> fired because of that, and he lost to San Jose State at home and lost how many SEC games in a row. I mm-hmm. mean, that was bottom of the barrel. Brian Harson, a.k.a. Avatar coach, because he looks like when you played those old-timey video games, like, you know, just the generic coach on the sidelines <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in Tech Mobile. 
you know, and personalities kind of that way too. Never a fit at Auburn. Everybody knew it. Well, my man lost five in a row to close out last year in brutal fashion. Uh, and then they didn't, I think they're three and six this year, three and five this year and, and lost and weren't competitive against said Arkansas team. The standards at Auburn are higher than that. And if it's, if the same thing was happening at South Carolina now, I, I think it would be a fair conversation. It's not. Um, Carolina's won games in spite of the offensive coordinator situation. Uh, and so when you talk about being close, I don't think this offense is anything close to close at all, period. End of story. But as far as a program goes, I do think there's some things that indicate, well, they're close. They, they need to fix the offense. That's the bottom line. You know, and maybe if next year they can't stop the run, they're going to have to fix the defense. I know they've had injuries, blah, 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 but, you know, something starts becoming a trend that's concerning. Uh, you you got to kind of dissect it and let us know. And I'm not saying get rid of Clayton White this year or anything like that. I'm just saying, hey, look, okay, you've had a lot of injuries, but next year you need to be better against the run. That's the bottom line. And that's something they preached all offseason. I mean, it was a good point of emphasis, you know, and, yeah. and just pointed at linebackers and all of that. And I mean, we're fortunate that we've got some, you know, younger guys in the secondary that are showing up and showing out. Uh, but, you know, the strength of the team was supposedly going to be the defensive front and it has not showed up, you know, as well as we would well, have wanted it to. That, that's a move I could justify making. I think yeah. there's uh, mm-hmm. an obvious choice out there to coach the D line. If they want to make a move, this is nothing against Jimmy Lindsay, but I do think there's an upgrade. And uh, I would think about that. You yeah. know, I would yeah. definitely think about it. All right. Nana Sport. Oh, I was just going to say, you got to strike now while your iron is still somewhat hot. Because, you know, this is still a favorable job for coordinators. You're going to lose that with with poor management in the offseason. So, you know, yes. make your yeah. move. It, make yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and like I told everybody, Phil, like if, if we're sitting here Monday after Clemson and nothing's happened, or Tuesday after Clemson and nothing's happened, uh, you know, somebody called it a five-alarm fire right now. Um I think at that point, that's when your five alarm fire starts happening because last year we all went through that and it was just like completely obliv- oblivion. They're like, okay, season's over. Let's go recruiting. And, you know, I, I, I think it was not as hard of a decision to keep him last year as maybe we thought. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. And, and so you worry about that. But I'm not going to hit the panic button and the eject button on this tenure based on a bad offensive coordinator hire uh, and a, the wrong plan. I mean, no. and you know, you, all, you knew that, and you heard Joe Brady, Lincoln Riley, and so you thought, well, he's going to run college stuff. And uh, No, I mean, it, you start to get worried. Like I said, I got a text from a friend. He's like, uh, I was just on the coaches clinic, the virtual coaches clinic, right? Your boy's got the Cowboys and the, the Panthers and, you know, and all this. And I'm like, the Cowboys? What? You know, and – I just think that I, those were red flags. All the talk about the Rams was the red flag, pro style, all this stuff, what they're going to do with Spencer Rattler was a red flag. I had to bite my tongue on a lot of it. I think sometimes I got a little critical. I should have been more in hindsight, but again, that's in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to give it a shot because look, these college football coaches are saying, oh, we got players now. They didn't have players, players, playoffs. Uh, well, you got players now and you don't use them. So, uh, on what planet is that smart? None. Nana Sports Chat Box. 
Craigers like we're on to Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, Craiger. We got some mailbag to clean out. <laughs> yeah, Craiger says shoot Lloyd up, whatever it takes to get him in there. Ashley says, "Hey, friends, Rodney. Good morning, guys. JC, if Saturday night goes real bad for Shane Beamer, the fans will turn on him, and booms will ring out at the game because he's chose to keep his friend on the staff." That's my opinion. Yeah, well, he's got to live with that. Um, yeah. Like I said, I is it fair that you know? There's a segment of the fan base that wants things to happen right now. No, I think it's the world we live in. Um, I think that, again, if it gets much past the Clemson game and decisions haven't been made, then that's when the five-alarm fire starts. Ashley goes, I live outside Chattanooga, married into a Vols family. Yeah, I told my Vols friends this week, week I'm not going to talk to them that much. <laughs> uh, let's say Vols fans are more worried about this game than they should be. We shall see. It's sold out. Um, like I said, they hadn't played very many road games. Last road game in a big environment, they they got beat. So um, There are I, scenarios that you can put together for the Gamecocks to make this a game and win. It's just the probability of those is so low that <laughs> it's going to be tough challenge. Yeah. I guess my mic was hot during the pre-show. No, that was mine. That was mine. Yeah. Uh, was, was mm-hmm. uh, AJM2 says we may really lose by 60. It's possible. Um, Brian says, morning, fellas. Last night I convinced myself Vols are going to come to a crazy road environment that we have a chance. Is there medicine that can fix me? Also, we can hear you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Look, anything can happen on any given Saturday. Uh, I I do think that w- with what Tennessee does on offense, the chances of – it would take a perfect game in the secondary, and yeah. the D-line would have to dominate a good offensive line, and then you'd have to hope Hooker turned it over, uh, and then you just have to hope that the Vols defense is, you know – uh, not very good, and if, if you can obviously, if if Marcus Satterville can run the ball at will, you can put points on the board. But heck, I mean Tennessee's defense is like in the one hundreds statistically, but they're like twelfth in, in rushing defense. So you know, chances are they don't they don't let you run the ball. That's their kind of deal. I mean, there are plays open down the field. So you, so you almost need like an intermediate passing attack, and I haven't seen an intermediate passing attack in two years. That's what we do not have. Mm. I'm sorry. I, just, I don't mean to get that fired up. Skager no. racks his mic is hot. Losing by 30 would be decent. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I agree. Also, no hot mic moments. I'll let an F-bomb fly. Those of you that know me and talk to me off the air know this. I'm, Dallas I'm says, glad when somebody said something, I had to think back what I was saying. I'm like, ooh, good. Skated. <laughs> For poor Lance, man. Lance is like, what up, kids? I'm still hurting. The screen is black. <laughs> well, not now. We're back. Uh, Dallas says, I was there in the swamp. One of the most hilarious sequence of events with all that was all the turnovers to start the second half. It got comical, didn't it? I mean, it really was. It really was. Uh, morning, crew. Thanks, JC, for not saying you were really close on fixing your tech issues. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, I think I've got the cord hitting the mic solved, though. I, I, I got the cord. I got my my headphone cord taped to my table, and I adjusted my head position. But I, I still have to – got to be more self-aware of moving around mm. and all that. So uh, Xavier says they had 13 inches of snow last week. Wow. Woo. 
Dallas says right after ran into Bell's entire posse out in front of the stadium, and all of them were laughing it off as well. Lance said the sad lattes didn't go down smooth at all. <laughs> Mine did. I went to the dang Bears watch party on, on Saturday and got to <laughs> it, envelop myself in even more misery. <laughs> das Medina says, find some joy, clowns. Uh, J-Rock says, good morning. On to Tennessee. Hoping someone locks Satterfield in the maintenance closet during the game. <laughs> the playbook mysteriously falls in the hands of another. It, it would be like the de- somebody getting the Dead, Re- Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> I mean, and you don't speak Aramaic or whatever those were written in. <laughs> Ancient Hebrew. Oh, well, I think this means dive. I'm not sure. It's 137 words long. Yeah, that's right. It's probably just a simple run up the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's 13 words long. Hmm. Cynical says, good morning. All right, Clint has a good point. How realistic is it that we go get Garrett Riley and A.J. Ricker? And did Riley and Step overlap at SMU? No, Riley was with Dykes at SMU. Step was with Chad Morris and went to Arkansas with him. Um, Step uh, did overlap with Kendall Bryles at Arkansas because he was retained by Pittman. Um, you know, I, obviously Garrett Riley is going to be in the mix for probably a bunch of offensive coordinator jobs. I can't imagine at least not Shane, at least not reaching out. Um, AJ Ricker's not necessarily who I'm hearing for the offensive line job right now, but obviously if you get Riley, you, you got to get him. Um, you probably got to get him. I don't know, but, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about all that once things start opening up. I, I've, I've, I've got some names, but I'm not going to talk about them because the minute I do, like, you know, everybody's got their favorites, right? So the minute I do, a third of you are going to latch on to one guy. And if Shane doesn't land this guy or if he hires somebody else over him, he's a dismal failure, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so you got to kind of – there'll be a list, a hot board, all that good stuff, and you can make your decisions if if and when this happens, which I'm – I can't imagine it not, but uh, right now I don't want to lock in on on a guy and then you don't get him and you're disappointed. Uh, Taylor, uh, interesting last name, (laughs) considering what week it is. That's right. (laughs) Newest washer here, love the show. What's y'all's opinion on Beamer giving play calling to someone else for the remainder of the games? You think it's likely or no? Thanks. Uh, Unlikely, Not probably not going to happen. No, I think the best you can do to influence the game is is during the game plan itself. I think maybe he yeah. could say, you know, you're going to have to involve these people more and then find plays in the book that look like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, we got two more games, y'all. <laughs> we got we to gotta watch this two more times. <laughs> no doubt. Dallas. <laughs> Clint says he'd sell Garrett Riley on the opportunity to get out from Sonny's shadow and be demanded in an SEC school. Yeah, my my theory on that is what if Texas A&M does the same? Yeah. Yeah, because that's probably the answer down there to not yeah. Limbo. You know, it's a lot Make cheaper him. to hire a coordinator. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we're going to talk to Josh Pate, by the way, tomorrow. That's right. And, uh, right we're going to ask it. We're going to ask it. We're going to ask him about that. I, I don't know that I'll ask him a whole lot about Carolina. I'll probably have him on to talk Tennessee and SEC. Uh, but we'll have it. We'll have him for a small segment on uh, on tomorrow. Josh is a busy man these days, as we all know. Um, Dallas's first part of the year is actually more critical of Clayton White than Sat. You, you can see the struggle stopping the run from the get go. 
Um, yeah, and, and I don't think the defense is above criticism, but I do think this. I think the offense gives your defense no chance because they don't stay on the field. They struggle to score. You know, think about this. Okay, I'll, I'll go back. Like the Ole Miss game in 2018 is a good example of why you need an offense, right? Carolina wasn't stopping Ole Miss for anything. And remember that 2018 defense was garbage yeah. It wasn't garbage. It was garbage. It was, the players weren't garbage, but they, they just had all kinds of crazy, you know, crazy uh, injuries and stuff. So Ole Miss comes way back. Carolina blows a 14-point lead. They're up 10 going into the fourth. Well, Carolina kept playing and kept scoring. And the Jake had a good game. And Mon Denson ran all over them. And, you know, Edwards and Debo and those guys kept making plays. And eventually, which was, I thought, kind of a miracle, to be honest. Because <laughs> uh, then the next week at the Swamp, they they held Florida down until the end. Uh, you know, I think Ole Miss had 600 yards for the game, but like negative 20 in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and eventually the team combined all three phases rallied. And when you don't, when you can't score, and your defense is getting sent out there. And then, man, second half the other night, you, you put them in impossible positions, you know, they're, they're not going to play that well. Now, giving up the run that they did early, inexcusable, right? I'm not saying they're without criticism, but uh, you can get bad on defense pretty quick when you're not good on offense. Uh, just because there's a morale thing, there's a, you know, a lot. Yeah, I mean, um, in spite of that, they still adjusted in the second half. Even even with the turnovers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just nuts. J-Rock says, I tweeted out this morning about being right about Sat last year. Some people didn't take it well. Who on yeah. earth wouldn't take it well? Who wouldn't have taken that well? But I don't care. Uh, the way some of these fans threw the players under the bus really irritated me. Yeah, the players got thrown completely under the bus last year. Completely. There's nobody. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. Yeah, we had four quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, you heard it all. And then, and now we're, you know, 10 games into this next year. And obviously, that's not the issue. Yeah. Because there are players now. You can't say that. (laughs) I know. Clint says, I like TCU's offense. They have a nice mix of run and pass. I watched their game with UT. They made adjustments and ran it right at the horns. Yeah, I hate to say I called that one. I didn't think Texas had the kahunas to win that game. And they certainly didn't. <laughs> J-Rock says, hope to have Lloyd back this week. And though he can make things happen, Tennessee sells out for the run. If we don't go vertical and attack the middle, we're going down and going to drown offensively. They've well, not done brought, that all year. Brought your waiters, J-Rock. <laughs> as, as much as is in this playbook, I'm not sure that that's in the playbook. So, defense has got to live on hope and prayer. Um, Adam says, I've heard people say they don't want the guy of the guy for a USC. What is it about Garrett Riley that makes us think he can come in and make a difference. I know he's Lincoln's brother and works for Dykes. What has he done on his own? He's Lincoln's brother and he works for Dykes. But, uh, um, I mean, I think we're going to find out pretty quick. Either, I mean, not necessarily South Carolina. Uh, you're right. I'm always hesitant about the guy that works for the guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you talk to like – you hear Max Duggan talk or whoever – uh, TCU's quarterback and Dugan, and he he Garrett's calling it. You know there could be some dykes in there. Could not could not be, but uh, you know that's uh, that's the deal. Um, inexperienced safety could come into play against Tennessee, probably. 
Because nobody they hadn't seen anything like this at the high school level. Lance says, "Why do we try new things then revert back? It hurts. I agree, it hurts. It bothers me too. That, that's the bad, worst thing. And you know, players disappearing, not getting playing time that could help you. Uh, that's just kind of the deal there. Um, so that's the deal with all that. Let's say set. All right, there's a let's say set." Does miraculous blah, blah, blah. No, there's no miracle happening. All right, we got to get to a break. Um, mm-hmm. Tiffany says, I'm going to take shots for every negative play this weekend. I'll be the drunk naked woman oh by goodness. the end of the first quarter Maybe hanging dead. over a rail. <laughs> there is such a thing as alcohol poisoning. That's right. Uh, Brown is like, <laughs> Charles says, what about Dan Mullen as OC? Home run, in my opinion, as OC. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, some people don't like his personality. Well, I don't. I don't think having a good personality at this point is a uh, um, a criteria for being the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. It certainly hasn't been the last two years. No. Uh, Brian says, "Touchdown, Carolina! Touchdown, Mister Bigglesworth! Come, Mister Bigglesworth! Come, Mister Bigglesworth!" <laughs> Uh, John adds a final thing here. Uh, just my opinion, but while Shane has gotten labeled as a CEO coach because he's never had to be a coordinator, to show his skills as an organization builder here in two weeks and make the call on set. Yeah, John, you know, look, man, the, I, I'm remaining sort of calm because I, I just don't think that it, it's not that I wouldn't have done it, like I said, but I'm not a coach. And I just don't think that this necessarily – I don't think it's imperative for it to happen right now. I think when you're dealing with firing a head coach, yeah, pull the Band-Aid off. This tenure's miserable. Let's have an interim, see if we can spark some new life into the team. But this is a coordinator, so it's different. Um, and there just isn't a lot. You know, I know Boise State changed coordinators the fourth game of the year. I mean, you, you, the time to have done it would have been, you know, earlier. I don't think that serves anything but makes fans go, oh, yeah, it's definitely going to happen. And, you know, some angst and consternation goes away for the next two weeks because you know change is coming. Um, so that's uh, Dallas says, could we get by with an OC that just dials it up and doesn't recruit as well? I mean, Satterfield recruits quarterbacks, but I don't, I don't see where somebody like Mullen couldn't do it. Uh, Sat recruits quarterbacks. He doesn't recruit anybody else. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, would you would do you want a better recruiter or a better play caller at this point? I think you got. I don't think you can worry about recruiting with this hire because I think your system will sell itself. Josh Heupel's not known as this great recruiter. Neither the guy, the guy's his OC, Alex Golesh, doesn't have any kind of track record in recruiting. And you, you see, you know, see what's happening. I, I, I do, I do, I will give Marcus Satterfield credit for the quarterbacks he's recruited. Good job, but. Uh, it's not worth tearing down your program for recruiting. No. <laughs> and, and that's going to that's gonna dry up, okay, if this continues. Because there's not a quarterback in the country that's going to want to come in and do it no matter what he's selling. No. Um, or wide receiver. <laughs> or wide, definitely not a wide receiver. All right, we got to get to a break. Uh, Sawyer's coming in today for the mental edge, probably a shorter mental edge this week. Um, about 10 minutes along because we, we got a lot to discuss today. Uh, and uh, but we'll have Sawyer back for the full time next week. But he's got a lot to say as well. 
So we're going to take a break. We'll be back after these messages inside the Gamecocks, the show on Tuesday. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge 
former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Yep, time to get back. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, with J.C. Sherbert and Phil Molinax. The first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss at Colwell Banker Kane Realty. Give Cindy a call for all of your upstate residential real estate needs, 864-414-5271. And we're joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by Sawyer Nix for our uh, mental edge, albeit a bit abbreviated this week, So because we, we've got a lot of stuff to get to. How are you doing today, Sawyer? Sawyer, Sawyer, you, you sound, uh, yeah, Phil, cut him off, have him come back. Your robot. Uh, we can't hear you. It's a robot sound, man. Yeah, let's, let's come back can't, again. Can't have that here. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's have him back. Uh, 76 is Beamer ought to just call it Spurrier and ask for some of his plays. Spurrier's playbook's online, man. <laughs> I mean, he can do that on the internet. Yeah, you don't even need uh, the old ball coach. <laughs> thing with Spurrier, though, it's like, uh, by the way, Clint, uh, Brent Key was not the offensive line coach I was referring to earlier. Uh, although I think he would be a fine choice. Uh, it could be it could be the guy. I, I wouldn't rule that out. They've tried to go down that road before. Yeah, so. let's see if we can bring Sawyer back here. Okay. How about right, Sawyer? Uh, nope, still. still so one, one of our listeners said something about it. It's in your uh, Apple oh, earbuds. Or earbuds, your pods, yeah, your, your, your pods. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, try to figure that out right there. Um. Gamecock fans have the mental dealing with this product to continue to show up. If you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. All love <laughs> is just hurting, Lance says. That's like a country song. All love is just hurting. Love ain't love nothing it. to be happy about. Mm-mm. So That's the song Skinny Post by Boots and Waggles. Skinny Post by Boots and Waggles. <laughs> That's awesome. Kruger says it looks like someone sits sat down before the games and tells them to do the exact opposite of what our game plan should be. It's almost like he's getting paid to lose. Well, I'm going to say this. He doesn't do himself any favors. Um, And I honestly think the guy tries to outsmart everybody. And it's like that. uh, Ah, shoot. There's a guy I went to high school with, man, you know, claimed how brilliant he was, said he memorized the encyclopedia. Uh, Harry S. Truman was his uh, hero, you know, smartest guy in the room, right? Made straight C's. (laughs) Never in my honors classes, right? (laughs) I think he was in remedial reading, and he wasn't an idiot savant. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of what this reminds me of a little bit. You know, you're like, ah, smartest guy in the room, straight C's. Mm -hmm. Um, And and look, I I just, I I think that, in this game, in this sport, you, you don't have time to sit there and reinvent the wheel every week and outsmart yourself. Um, and, and I think because of that, when you have that mindset and you go revert, it gets bad. You know. Yeah. Well, let's try Sawyer one more time. He's one more time, more time and if not, we'll we'll fix it for next week. All right, Sawyer. All right, I'm trying AirPod less. Hey, All there right. you go. You, you sound, sound great. great. See, it was the it was the AirPods. They said, I don't know whether that's your battery. 
Uh, somebody in the chat box that mentioned that last week mentioned why. What's the deal on uh, on the um, on the uh, what is it? Yeah, something uh, with the Bluetooth. On the, on the Bluetooth. Yeah. yeah. Tell mm-hmm. tell us how he can fix that for next week. Well, sorry. How, how do you? Uh, I'm gonna start with basketball. Um, Chico Carter, big time shot at the end. He's a yes. guy that went went two for twelve is the first game this year, but really had a good game Saturday night. Um, talk about like the confidence that he had, the confidence Lamont Paris had in him not calling the timeout and him going down and shooting that shot. You know, what's what does that mean? And can that maybe propel him uh, to be a clutch player from here on out? Well, I, th- I think it starts with the top that Coach Paris is a free flowing, let the players go, have fun, get after it, you know, figure things out. And I think that plays into the strength. Uh, at the end of the game. I think if you had a coach that was very, all right, set play, set play, set play. And, you know, it seemed throughout the game, the players were responding in a positive way. And I love their energy throughout the game to see the players, the way they celebrate each other's, the way they, you know, love making shots and blocks and, and dunks and all those things to see enthusiasm in their body language, even when the game was in the balance, even when Clemson scored to tie the game. For me, it was just, it was an enjoyable sporting event to watch. Even obviously I'm definitely a Gamecock and had a a side to pull for, but even if I was a non Clemson or Carolina fan, if I was watching the game, it was, it was a competitive, encouraging game, lots of back and forth and, so I think that's where it starts with is is when players are not handicapped. They don't have to play with one arm behind their back. They can go and perform. And, yeah, if they've done not so well in the first game or earlier in the game itself, they still have the confidence and they still train. That's, that's the things that they work on and they work hard on, not only mentally but physically. They practice end-of-game scenarios where they, you got to run up the court, one pass, one shot, um, finish awkward. Uh, so it, it's all about being athletic and having fun and just putting yourself in a position. And, and that shot, it went in. It very easily could have rolled out as well. Uh, Triple H, happy, 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 reminds me that Chico did hit the three at the buzzer at the end of the first half, which that end of that first half was solid. You know, I was like, Gamecocks, mm-hmm. man, they could they yeah. could. Uh, and I knew Clemson's, Clemson, I, it's hard to tell right now how good they are or not. Some people were like, they're awful. Some people said they're good. I think they were predicted to be okay. Doesn't matter. You know, you know there's been bad Clemson teams that have beaten South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina lost to Clemson in their final four year in Columbia. Uh, so you just take it. We'll see what happens later this week. So on to football. <laughs> um, so, so there's this question, and we'll ask you about it. So the fans want Beamer to fire Sat right now. Tuesday before the Tennessee game. Um, I probably would have gotten rid of him after Missouri, to be honest. I mean, if you you want my really truthful take on it, I would have gotten rid of him at least at the end of last year before the bowl, uh, or maybe even as early as after Kentucky, because that's when I started realizing this isn't going to work. It's too complicated. Nobody knows what they're doing. The quarterback looks like he's hamstrung. You know, if you, if you start thinking back, there were there were a lot of warning signs there. But, you know, hey, you want to give somebody a chance? It's fine with me. I'm all for it. But I think, look, you know, the chances of winning the next two weeks are, are not great. But you don't you don't say that internally. And so so 
now look, if it lingers much beyond the, the Monday after the Clemson game, win or lose, honestly, uh, I, don't, I don't think winning changes it. Even, even a great win like beating Clemson, that, that should not change it. Um, you know, I, I think then there's a five alarm fire. But uh, right now, uh, I, I think that, we, you know, the, the, the disconnect here is you got a team to coach. You're not running around the building, you know, telling your players doom and gloom. You're, you're trying right. to make them believe they have a shot the next two weeks. Uh, firing Satterfield right now throws everything on that side of the ball into chaos, no matter if the guy that takes over is more competent or not. Um, so whereas, like I said, if it were me and I'm not a coach, I'm, I'm a little bit more, you know, hot-headed. Uh, I'd have punted a long time ago. But I, I, I see the, the wisdom and sort of, you know, saying let's just play it out. You know, let, let's let's try our best to go play our best these next two games uh, and go from there. Um, what say you? Because some, I think, wrongfully think, oh, the, 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 the players are so frustrated that they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be happy till Sats out and all that. And, and while I think some guys are frustrated with their playing time and stuff, I, it just doesn't work that way realistically. Uh, on the football team. Right. Well, I, I think certainly the team overall could be doing well and guys are not going to be happy with their playing time. I mean, that happens from yeah. little league throughout professional sports. It's, you know, I don't get enough playing time. Um, all I get is garbage time. You know, er- everybody's wanting their, their playing time. So that's, that's not a new argument. Um, as far as getting rid or not getting rid of sad, I, I can see, both sides of it. I don't think the team, you're right. They definitely um, have a hunch that something's coming. I mean, I don't think they're dumb. They have <laughs> they'd enough. Have to be- <laughs> they hear enough from fans and family members. They know. They know that the changes are coming. Uh, part of that's because they trust Coach Beamer. So I think part of it is, all right, am I willing to compromise? So next week, there's going to be someone's favorite part of the turkey. There's only two legs. Right. There's only two wings. You know, somebody's going to compromise on a turkey leg somewhere. Um, there's going to be one slice of pecan pie left. Uh, somebody's going to have to suffer and get the, the pumpkin. So I think the players, I want to say they're sacrificing, but I think they know that they, they, they trust Coach Beamer and they know that they themselves haven't necessarily done everything that they could do. So I think that's part of the argument is, Hey, if I know I've done everything in my power to play an A-plus game, then I can throw stones and and call out Sat. But I think the players, they know they haven't done what they've needed to do uh, on offense, whether it's blocking, whether it's receivers, whether it's offensive line, whether it's Rattler seeing the whole field, um, whether it's checking into the correct audible, whether it's body language, that was one thing I noticed that I was frustrated about throughout the Florida game was the body language was crappy on both sides um, throughout the game. And to me, that indicates what's going on mentally and where are they thinking and, and where are they feeling. And, and you can look at that, especially at the end of the game. Rattler just kind of shrugging his shoulders like, eh, whatever. I'm like, that's, that's not what you want to see from a leadership perspective, um, at least from, from my eyes. So I think that's something that the players, they know, again, changes are coming. But I think it's what do I need to do this week to put ourselves in a successful position? And I think Coach Beamer hopefully takes some more ownership of, okay, here are the things we need to do this week. And maybe he directs that a little more than he has 
Uh, obviously, the playbook is the playbook. You can't change the playbook. Um, you're not going to recreate personnel packages this time of year. And so I think it's how do we just scrap by and do the best best we can. And the players focus on themselves individually and putting themselves in position. And then at the end of the day, it's them knowing, okay, did I do everything in my power to play the best? And if so, I can be good with that um, and let the other people take care of the sat stuff. If not, it's, it's back on me. I whiffed a block. Um, I ran a wrong route. You know, I dropped the ball. Um, I didn't, you know, fight for possession, whatever it is. Uh, I, th I think it goes back to those for the players. Yeah, I think the players lost focus. Keith was talking about that yesterday. Is like when you have that coach kind of turn, you're losing focus and all that. JC Saw says, save the neck for me, Clark. Since we're talking save about the neck for me, Clark. <laughs> save the neck for me, Clark. Um, all right, so wrapping up with Sawyer Nicks. Uh, again, we'll have a full mental edge next week. Any Anything further you'd like to add as Gamecocks go into Tennessee this weekend? Uh, oh my goodness. So last week, you know, I, I kind of mentioned gratitude. So continue to, you know, have that. It's hard to like, after that Florida loss to be like, all right, I, I gotta be grateful, but you know, Hey, I focus more on basketball. The fact that basketball won, uh, women's soccer had some success. Um, so maybe football isn't, isn't doing so hot right now, but we can follow some other sports and cheer them on maybe a little louder. Um, I was excited to see that it's a sellout crowd for, for Tennessee. Uh, I don't know if it's the last game of the year or it's a night game or one last hoorah party. I, or, I don't know. Or, or that they're fourth in the country. Hotel rooms in Columbia are $800 this, this weekend. I, I have a feeling they're coming down out of the mountain. You know? You're right. <laughs> you may be right. You may be right. Um, but, but yeah, so yeah, the Gamecock fans will still show up. So, yeah. And I would, you know, there's only, only how many home games a year? Go enjoy it. You know, right. it's a night game. You got plenty of time to numb the pain before it starts. I mean, and, uh, and what's most important, hang out with your family and friends. I mean, right. that's, that, that's what Carolina football, that's what college yeah. football I mean, in general is all about, you know? Right. And the point spread was 19 for me, double it, you know? Double it. Um, <laughs> double it. Um, Tennessee is trying, they're trying to get in the playoff. They're going to score. They're not slowing down. They're not running the ball, you know, to their fourth string, uh, fifth string running back, whoever, you know, is on the sideline who never gets their uniform mm -hmm. dirty. They're going to continue lighting up the scoreboard. They're scoring, they're going to get style points because they're, they're trying to get to the playoff. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think, idea that oh well you know they'll take up no if you saw the Missouri game and, and a friend pointed this out to me they were calling timeouts with a minute or two left um to score even more points so don't don't if it, if it gets in the fourth quarter and it's like 30 points oh you know well it's you know they may try and score another 10 or 12 or 14 or it, it's not going to stop till the clock hits you know triple zero so be prepared for that that they're uh they're, they're that. And, you know, the Hyatt thing's been a debate. I, you know, I, I'm not sure. A receiver, maybe. Um, that might. Oh, they're going to chuck it to him. Don't give them yeah, that. They're, they're, they'll they chuck are. it to him when they're up four touchdowns, too. I mean, they're not. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that's that coaching staff as well. I think they, you know, that's their personality and that's who they are. And so, again, I'm not going to be surprised. Next week, I have a little more hope. Maybe we can. 
you know, next week will be a different conversation. This week, it would be, it would be the miracle of all miracles. Uh, and JC, you're probably great with Gamecock history. If South Carolina won this week, it would be probably the biggest. When One of the biggest upsets, and then and that's because of the matchups and right, right, all that. I mean, just the the, the style of play. I mean, I, you know, I think eventually. We'll see what Tennessee does next week with another quarter or next year when Hooker's gone and they got another quarterback and you know all that good stuff. But 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 this year Hooker's just in a zone. I mean, you know Georgia managed to get them. Uh, they got caught in Georgia's spider web, so to speak. Right? But right. Uh, uh, I don't know that Georgia's going to get them again if they play them again. Uh, no. I'm not trying to down the dogs here, but on a neutral field. Uh, it'll be different. All right, Sawyer, thanks so much, bud. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week, Thanksgiving yeah, week, buddy. We'll yeah. do, and then next week we'll we'll have a contest. We'll figure out what that will be. We'll have one more kind of nice. hurrah um, one. Into, into the football season uh, contest. And we'll go That'll be there. great. Everybody look forward to it. Thanks, bud. Sounds good. Thank All you, right, sir. See ya. Mm-hmm. Sawyer Dix, the mental edge each and every week right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Please be sure to follow him at Sawyer Nix on Twitter. Bluff Road Gamecocks says, touchdown Carolina, touchdown Mr. Bigglesworth. He threw a laser boom. Laser. Um, 76 says, I woke up and chose chaos, fire sat. Ugh, just trying to have fun. Never mind. Chaos. <laughs> Professor Chaos. Professor Chaos. Kruger makes a good point here. We got to stop with the oh well, they suck after we win a game in any sport. That's BS. Clemson doesn't say that if they win games. That's right. Clemson plays a lot of bad teams. Uh, just enjoy the win no matter who it is. It makes you a poop head fan. Mm. I agree. I, I, I agree to a certain extent. I, I agree a lot there. You know, I ain't played nobody. There's a podcast out there called Ain't Played Nobody. Ain't Played Nobody. <laughs> ain't Played Nobody. Ain't, ain't Played Nobody. AGM2 <laughs> says we shouldn't be surprised that Rattler isn't a leader. I reject that. You need to get all Spencer. He had to be given a chance. And, I, I you know, AGM2, uh, what about running down a 413-pound D tackle when the game's basically over? Uh, yeah, I know. It, yeah, it, yeah, dis- but it wasn't displays really a lack a of leadership. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. Nobody said he wasn't a leader. Um, happy, happy, happy. He said, can you really say or sell the idea of a team being a brotherhood by firing a coach midseason, even before the season, even if it needed to be done way past yesterday? That's interesting. I don't think that's a factor. I think change is more kind of a – and look, if there was all this precedent in college football and, and all that, right, Um. And other teams are changing coordinators, but, but nobody does that. Yeah, I mean, look at the, the struggling programs. How many people have fired coordinators mid-year? No, they fire their head coach. Yeah, oh, heck, yeah. And Auburn, <laughs> Auburn got rid of their coordinator mm-hmm. with, along with everybody else, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah. But that's it, huge because then you're signaling to the, the entire, you know, landscape of football, hey, there's an open position here. You know, yeah. I mean, everybody knows there's an open position here at South Carolina after this year's over, and I would be shocked to to if if there weren't already conversations being had with agents and things behind the scenes getting ready for next year. I I would agree with you there. All right, the second hour, the I Help Consulting mailbag overfloweth. 
Yes. Um, and so me and Phil are going to try to work our way through those. Uh, also, uh, and you can get to the mailbag inside the game packs at gmail.com or tweet to add to Bixford pod plus more interaction on the Nana's porch chat box with all you happy chat boxers today. Um, and we'll go from there. Uh, inside the game, Pass, the show returns after these messages. If you're a listener, you know, I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a Dyer Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? One zero zero one is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey folks, JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com 
go there, food truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good Southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. What's up? This is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you are now listening to Inside the Gamecock Show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks Show, everybody. The second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgess Entertainment Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot them an email at a Burgesson, that's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at Remax.net for your commercial or investment real estate needs. And JC, our, our mailbag is overflowing with, uh, well, let's just say sentiment. Because <laughs> it isn't necessarily... Oh, the most positive of mailbags here. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyway, yeah, Tristan, I responded to you. Um, Jonathan comes in. Uh, good morning, sir. I was already leaving. It's about the big spur, so I'll address this. I was already leaving the platform due to censorship. Some of your posts were way over the top, man, but was removed for starting a thread that Beamer is losing the team. Yeah, he's not. Uh, it's your business, but censorship on your site will not save Beamer. He's a bad hire and is in over his head. Why? Because the offensive coordinator sucks. Um, yes, he can get a good an OC, but needs to catch lightning in a bottle because good offensive coordinators know his time is done soon or at least the end of 23. Nah, that's why you go hire a new offensive coordinator. Wrong again. The Big Sur Spur is a the Big Sur. The a Big Sur. Yeah. And outside of insults to posters, uh, blah, 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 it should not be censored. Um. Well, I mean, look, when you say it, unless you have firsthand knowledge, unless – and you probably need a, probably about 10 players – uh, and a couple of coaches to like tell you this, um, you know, you don't need to be talking about him losing the team. I mean, that's, that's not true. <laughs> and we don't allow like things that are way not true that uh, are potentially damaging uh, to be on the site. Uh, and the big spur model is not broken, Jonathan. Uh, and uh, you know, I look at the numbers every day. <laughs> um, it's not your job or your team's job to try to prevent thought you'll disagree with. Carry on. I don't try to prevent thought I disagree with at all. I'll say I disagree, uh, but then there's a line that you can cross where it, it's not a matter of disagreeing. It's just, you know, pulling crap out of thin air. Um, and I try to correct people, you know, like everybody's talking about like, all right, so this is, this is the final word on these two things. Number one, it's not true that Ray Tanner made Mike Bobo be retained by Shane Beamer. You know why? Because <laughs> Shane Beamer was thinking about keeping Mike Bobo in September before the job was even open. Speculating. Okay? That's number one. I know that for a fact. Okay? So it's just not true that Tanner forced this on him. Number two, it is not true that this job, when it came open, was slotted at $2.75 million a year, and they made this hire on the cheap. They decided to hire Beamer over the other candidates. And, and Beamer got market value because he's not had a, been a head coach before. 
And he decided to take less than what he could have gotten because he wanted to put more into the staff. Uh, and, and I know you've never said that, Jonathan, but, but th- those are the types of things that I try to correct. Uh, but when you say he's a bad hire and is in over his head, and, uh, the, the, the offensive coordinators know his time's done, that's just not true. That's not true. That's not the truth. You know, I mean, look at who's gotten fired in two years. Uh, you know, uh, Brian Harson and Chad Morris. Is this, I mean, even with the disaster on offense, is this even close to that type of a d- disaster? No. Uh, it could be a lot better. He made a bad mistake bringing the guy back. I think we can all agree on that. But, I mean, you know, you going at people that go after Shane Beamer right now uh, need to kind of – they're not seeing the forest through the trees. And so if we're going to – we, we can delete anything we want. You can talk about the business model all you want. It's thriving. Um, and, and honestly, you know, uh, your emails to the mailbag – uh, and the things you say on the podcast are a lot less weird and out of left field than the stuff on the site. You know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that, but that's just BS. All right. You, well, you, how many, uh, you know, how many group of five teams have we lost to in the past two years? None. None. <laughs> You're going to get rid of that coach. That's that's the real indicator. I mean, you know, Jimbo needs to be more worried than <laughs> Damn Beamer. Let's see. Bradley. Brad. One thing that isn't sitting well with me is how we are losing games over the last few years. As a lifelong Gamecock, I can take a loss. What I can't take is getting consistently blown out. Right now, it seems as if it's either a win or an absolutely embarrassing loss. Even in the Brad Scott and early Lou Holtz days, it seemed like we were more competitive in our losses. This is just a disturbing trend I've noticed lately. Thanks, Brad. Well, Brad. There is some data that will back that up <laughs> in that last hey. few years. <laughs> it, they, that. Yeah, they, these losses have been, what, more than 14 points in three quarters of them? Yeah, so, I mean, that is, yeah, that goes beyond the current coaching staff, though. So I don't, I kind of throw that out, right? I, I don't, I don't, you know, really consider that when talking about this year's team, but yeah, it, it doesn't look good. Now, I mean, optically, it looks terrible. You're, you know, we're fortunate that Vanderbilt beat Kentucky. And, <laughs> you know, that's basically it. There was a real close game between LSU and Arkansas that other people are talking about. And us getting blown out at Florida is kind of like third or fourth on the list. 86 to 13 against Florida and Georgia this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm. <laughs> no, that's like uh, a stretch of of what was it 2020 when you know the a and m and we had you know scored hardly any points and and gotten beat like 150 to what 20 something in that three game stretch that really sent oh. champ out the door jeez and then last year they got five yards of offense second half so yeah. just not uh i don't know just not a big uh you know, but my not a big fan of the blowouts. blowouts yeah, no, right? I can't stand it either. But my contention is, especially with the Missouri game, complimentary football, good offense could have prevented that period. You could have won that game, A, but it could have kept that game a lot closer than it was, even if you did give up so much at the beginning. Yeah. And I don't Yeah, you know, and, and Florida got a better jump on you. Um, but defense damn tried as good as it could. 
and then you still couldn't get any offense going whatsoever. And again, I'm not giving a pass to the defense. There are issues, obviously, that need to be addressed in the offseason. But, I mean, it, it you have to play good offense or, or your defense is just going to get gassed. I mean, period. Period. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Uh, AJM2 continues. <laughs> I have defended this coaching staff in the hire more than most. I'm defending the hire. I don't, I don't think Shane Beamer's dead in the water. I think there's some changes that need to be made. And, and I, I have faith he'll change. I mean, you know, you, you sort of learn a lesson. I mean, uh, I think when you're a coach and, and when, when you're kind of a flexible coach too, like Beamer is, uh, you know, he's not Muschamp. Muschamp is always going to – it's always going to stick at his crawl if they don't run the ball, you know, because it hurts the defense. Spurrier, you know, it's always going to stick at his crawl when they can't throw the ball, you know, or, or, or when the defense is not playing the right coverage. That, that was his contribution to the defense. He's, why are you in cover two? <laughs> Shoot. Um, I, I get that. I, I think Beamer's flexible. He just wants to go win. And, um, unfortunately – he got hamstrung and sold sort of a bill of goods, and you got to get out of it. And, you know, it is what it is. HAM goes on and says, a lot of you guys think we have great players and horrible coaches. I say it's possible that our coaches are good, and the players might be bad, but I'm oblivious and negative. Vote. It has nothing to do with being negative. It has a matter of looking at reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would be right there with, hey, no players. Uh, if we haven't at different times seen different guys make outstanding plays, you know, they are capable. I mean, did, did you watch the bowl game last year with Bell early? Did you Have you seen Juice Wells catch the ball? Uh, you saw Juju McDowell at times do big things. Uh, Austin Stogner does some good things and disappears. And, and that's the problem we have is it's about more than just, you know, oh, talent or coaching. It, it's 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 – it's bad. The, the, the talent you do have, you know, South Carolina's not Alabama or Georgia, or but the talent you do have is going to waste. Yeah, your performance is lower than, you know, relative to expectations and yeah. relative to what ability is. And that speaks to mismanagement. Alex comes in. He says, do you think the lack of talent in the 2021 recruiting class has hampered this team? Not that's a long-term concern. It just feels like this season we either have seasoned veterans or transfers or promising young freshmen, not a whole lot in between. Potentially, but, uh, you know, let me look up 2021 for a second because there's a – the class didn't rank very high, but uh, they got enough. And then this past class with what they got in the portal, it should be fine. So Bam Martin-Scott. Probably needs to play more. He was in the class. Colton Gothay is a backup. I thought, actually, I didn't put this in my game thoughts. I thought TJ Sanders had some nice moments against Florida. He made some plays, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Omega Blake's not seeing the field. There's Juju McDowell. Colby Fields hightailed at the LSU. They sure could have used him. Sam Reynolds is out. Nick Barrett's a promising young player. Ladarian Craig hit the portal. Morgan's a young offensive lineman. Marcellus Dow plays a ton. Isaiah Norris, not as much. So, in the portal that year, they got B.J. Gibson, who's playing. Uh, Carlin Splatel, who did play a lot. Amarian Brown's playing a lot. They missed David Spalding, who they got. They missed Jordan Strawn, who they got. Jason Brown and E.J. Jenkins and Jakeem Green are gone. And then you got Debo Williams. So, a lot of those guys are playing. I, I, I think 
I think the I think South Carolina, you're never going to have a lot of depth. Injuries are critical. Uh, I think with regards to the safeties, Phil, I just think DQ Smith and Nick and Warre are better. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's I, just I, what I, happened. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just mm-hmm. think, you know, they're the best they have. And mm-hmm. so uh, I'm not so sure that 2021's hurting. I I think there's enough there. I mean, uh, probably the best first class uh, coach has signed here since I've been following recruiting would be uh, uh, Will Muschamp. Because if you think about that 2016 class, uh, a lot of those guys did a lot of play for four years for the Gamecocks, including Brian Edwards, who set the record for receptions and, and all that. Uh, and Jake and DJ Wanham and TJ Brunson and, and all these guys. Um, it's hard, especially during a pandemic and all that, to go get a stellar first class. So what I like to look at is, are there at least a handful of guys, you know, five, six guys that are contributing out of it? Um, you look at Spurrier's first class, it was 15th in the country. Outside of Kenny McKinley and Jared Cook, you know, a lot of those guys that were highly rated, Carlos Thomas uh, started at corner for a couple of years, but a lot of those guys, John, your Jonathan Hannas of the world, did not work out. Both quarterbacks, Cade Thompson and uh, Tommy Beecher, did not work out, you know. Um, you had some guys, uh, and I would still consider that a successful class. I, I think Muschamp, believe it or not, did the best of anybody because that was before early signing and before the portal, and he put that thing together in 30 days. And so, you know, pretty impressive there, but you're not always going to get that. So, I, I, you know, I think with the portal, Alex, it's it's sort of, you know, one of those things. Now, now look. I could make an argument they needed to go sign some linebackers in the portal last year, certainly, but that's in hindsight. Um, so I think that's the deal there. Um, so you want to take this basketball season from Soda City? Yeah, Soda City drops in. J.C. Phil, at a certain point, repeated blatant incompetence by key members of a staff falls on the head of a coach. If we lose three in a row to finish the regular season poorly, I think any and all criticism is deserved. Hopefully, we beat Tennessee. Anyway, how about that Chico Carter? Maybe Lamont is unlocking these guys a bit. Soda City chicken. Uh, You know, for me... Yeah, it does fall squarely on the heads of coaching to finish the season 0-3. And and Beamer will have to wear some of that, of course, because these are his hires. But it's it's the actions that he he takes immediately after, uh, let's say, that happens are going to determine whether or not he's fit to continue, let's say. That's where I'm withholding my judgment right now. It was like, okay, the obvious thing for me is right after – Right after whatever happens in, in Memorial Stadium Saturday after Thanksgiving uh, is going to speak a lot to me about my confidence and faith in Shane Beamer. Uh, but Lamont, yeah, man, I, I like the web. You know, we've seen two games, and maybe there's a little more that we could see. We haven't played the best teams or whatever, but I like the flow of the game. I like how they're a bit more free. They don't look stifled and confused it's like it's really fun to watch now it's like it's just a different brand of football than frank martin and you know god love frank martin and i really you know i i really was happy about the the hire with frank martin just thought he he underperformed and and did not get that program going to where i thought it could have gone um but yeah it's fun to watch now (laughs) i thought i Mm -hmm. thought chico would be a guy that thrived under levon i really did because he Mm -hmm. 
when he played last year under Frank, he would score. And but you know, with with Frank, you got to defend, and he probably he probably had issues with that. And they're trying to make him a point guard or what. But uh, I thought I thought with this guy with Lamont, he he would he would probably be pretty good. And you know, a guy like Josh Gray too, that was you know fumbling, stumbling, bumbling, making mistakes last year. Uh, he's a little more free to make mistakes now. He knows he's not going to get benched right afterward. He's He's pulling down 10 rebounds. And it's nothing, again, and nothing against Frank. I, you know, always, always admire Frank Martin and, and all that. I just think maybe it was time for both sides to, to move on. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I think in a lot of ways, Lamont Paris has been a breath of fresh air. And, you know, when you got a player like Gigi Jackson on your roster that's super exciting and you got a lot of other guys that are just hustlers and, and, and good players and, uh, you know, guys that can make things happen and they play together and all that defense uh, defensively, they, uh, against Clemson, at least I'd, you know, say what you want about SC state because they were drilling threes, but uh, <laughs> against Clemson, at least, I mean, they, they don't look like they're not a good defensive team. And, and you lose Frank Martin, you think, ah, there goes the defense, but uh, right now they look pretty good. Um, as far as the head coach goes, it's all on him, but you don't, you got to judge your head coach by the complete picture um, and wins and losses. That's, that's the bottom line. But like, I, like I've said before, this is not Harson at Auburn and it's not Morris at Arkansas and it's only been two years. So you, you give him every opportunity to fix it at this point. But, you know, even at this early stage, Phil, I think there needs to be, to be a mandate for changes. Yeah. But yeah, you can't not, make changes period i mean you can't just say well we're close and the third year is going to get it because then the glaring thing is as well you know some of these players now have played 25 games in the system and still aren't performing at a certain level you know? I mean, it, and that, it, that's ridiculous and it's, and, it's and, well, and what i was going to say is it's like the people who are like for change now change now change now are, I, I get it you know it doesn't look good these next two weeks um and like you, JC, if you were going to get rid of him after Missouri, I could, I could see that. I could see that because then you still got some winnable games in front of you. You still only need one more for bowl eligibility, and you're going up against Vanderbilt, which you could more than likely win. But it's not like in, you know, like the NFL because in the NFL, you fire a guy on a Sunday, he brings in a new, you know, offensive coordinator with him in the interim, and then they get an entire full week of practice to get you know something right on sunday you fire an offensive coordinator on a saturday you get sunday tuesday wednesday and a walkthrough on friday Mm -hmm. (laughs) to to implement an entirely new offense (laughs) it's precarious Yeah, it's very it's just really tough. That's throwing a season away, you know, without having a game in front of you that you feel like you can win just based on the the you know the, your Jimmys and Joes versus theirs. AJM two, I'm pretty sure Satterfield isn't the best OC out there. So yes, I think we could be better, but I'm not positive that Satterfield is trash. He might be, just not sure. Um, I think he's you know you maybe could make a case for Brian Ferentz from Iowa as worse, but I think he's definitely the worst offensive coordinator in power five. Uh, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that feels that way. Yeah. Ferris has been putting up points. Finally. (laughs) I'm not the only one that feels that way. Um, And just 
people that know that I mean they make millions of dollars coaching football. You know, it's not just old me sitting here being banging. Not me. Not just me and Tony Morrell banging this drum here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Happy says it's true. Historically, Tanner has not shown the willingness to pay top dollar for coaching. That's not true. Um, look at all the money he spent on Muschamp and his staff. I mean. Yeah. I don't, you know, cheap. All right, so so let me just tell you this. There was somebody that was the AD here that was not willing to pay top dollar. Number one, um, and look, I don't think Spurrier cared because Spurrier was kind of a guy that was cheap with his staff too. Um, but when all those guys started leaving during the big run, you know, that they, they wouldn't give them an extension. Like, a, you know, most of those assistants need multi-year deals because they get fired quickly, you know. And so they like multi-year deals because if you get – they don't make as much as head coaches. So if you get fired, you get a little cushion for your family because you may not get back in, right? Uh, these jobs, there's only a, only so many, and they pay dang of good money. Mm. Like, I think me and Phil would go coach tight ends for three hundred grand a year. <laughs> yeah, I'd, you know, I'd you know, do get, it for half of what they're paying. Yeah, again, give yeah. me that right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next season, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I can recruit. But anyway, uh, I'm just joking about that. But uh, I get along um, great with people's moms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, okay. So, so Hyman was unwilling to do it. Tanner was fine to do it. You know, Spur wanted to go hire John Hope to fix the defense and, and keep paying Grady Brown. So you, you're paying 10 guys instead of nine. Did Ray Tanner balk at that? No. Would Eric Hyman would have? Yes. And don't 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 forget either that Eric Hyman, uh, and, and, and I think this was a little bit necessary, a little bit not. It was kind of, you know, uh, when he when he finally got around to to Dave Odom being gone, uh, that job when it opened, there were there were financial parameters on. I've never heard of that before, you know, uh, for a, a revenue producing sport. Now, lucky for him, he got Don Staley. He kind of split the difference between Horn and Staley and got it. But, you know, Tanner's done great with Staley's uh, contract. Uh, Martin was making crazy good money. Uh, Lamont Paris, you mentioned him. Uh, if things work out, well, he's paying Lamont $2.2 million, which is way higher than uh, what Lamont was making, like three hundred grand <laughs> at Chattanooga. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's not that it's not that Tanner hadn't been willing. I mean, you know, had you had Tom Herman taken the job or Kirby taken the job when he hired Muschamp, Muschamp even at that was making 3.5. Um, you know, I think you just seen it. If let's say Matt Campbell had wanted the job instead of Beamer this time around, and, and, and you go try to hire him from Iowa State, that they, they would have ponied up. Um, you know, so I, I don't I just don't think it's true that Tanner has not shown the willingness to pay top dollar. I mean, in baseball, he went after Kevin O'Sullivan. That number was much higher than what Mark Kingston's making. Hmm. Uh, so uh, I think, uh, you know, I just don't buy that. There's a lot of stuff. And I'm not saying like, look, you, you kind of look at everything and it's like, well, all, none of these guys are making the money other coaches do. Right. Uh, I understand that. When you look at it like that, you kind of like, well, where's the proof? Because he hadn't landed in any of these guys. And I get that. But uh, I don't think Tanner being cheap has anything to do with anything. And I can assure you that 
if Beamer makes a move, Tanner and Chance Miller and the administration, you know, those guys are going to probably get him what he wants. Um, and, and, and I think when you're trying to compete in football, that's what you do. You give your coaches what they want. Muschamp got everything he wanted. Still didn't work out. There's no guarantee, but that's what an AD does. Um, Will says, other teams are trying to backdoor recruit our players for the portal. We have some good players. Probably. Yeah, I'm sure. No, you know. So, I think 76 made a comment about, you know, having to recruit players, your your own players, um, but specifically as opposed to what's going on in the program right now. And I would just say 76, that that is a common theme among all programs right now in the NIL landscape. Every team, regardless of how well they're doing, even at Georgia, are going to have to recruit some of those guys to stay around. Yeah, that's just and the way if, it is. And if that weren't so, then South Carolina wouldn't have Lavoisier Carroll. Yeah, I mean, that's just the truth. And it, it no, happens. I don't have unhappy guys. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Zach says, we couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We couldn't complete a pass. We couldn't get a first down. Playoffs. Diddly poo. <laughs> By the way, I, I am happy for Jim Mora Jr. Everybody thought UConn was nuts by hiring him, and everybody thought he was nuts taking that job. And I think they beat Liberty <laughs> right after Liberty beat Arkansas to mm. get to six wins, no less. And here's the thing: they, they're not in a conference, so that does not guarantee them a bowl game because they do not have an independent bowl tie-in. So UConn. I don't think Carolina wants to play UConn in a bowl. I'm damn sure not in Birmingham. <laughs> no. Please, Lord. John makes a good point. Frank versus Lamont. He says, I left USC after four years of playing rugby and drinking beer. Good for you, man. God, oh, man. Sweet. What are you doing? What are you doing there? I'm playing rugby and drinking beer. People call John. You know, is it like 365 rugby? You know, call him in March, playing rugby, drinking beer. What are you doing in June? Playing rugby, drinking beer. Playing rugby, drinking beer. <laughs> we love John. He's one of our Pacific Northwest people. He says, well, I was able to get a scholarship to play D3 baseball. So I can start be- basketball. It's basketball or baseball? Basketball. So maybe, probably. Just let us know. So I can say this. Coaches that support players with positivity squeeze wins out. Screamers do not. And I think selective screamers sometimes can be fine, but you got to know when to turn it on and turn it off. Uh, and he said that's in relation to Paris and Frank. Uh, John says all of our opinions, like mine above, are based on life experiences. So it doesn't mean mine is right, but it certainly is true in my experience. That's right. Your lived experience is important. I think. Yep. And that's for you. Um, uh, HJM2 says, I don't think Jeff Scott is a scheme guy. He's not. No, no. <laughs> that was all Tony Elliott. We all thought it wasn't. We all, because, you know, we we're all like, well, wait a minute, Jeff Scott. That's Brad's son, and he was – I think he called plays at Blythewood High when he was there, and so you're just kind of like, well, it's probably Jeff, and but no, no, it's Tony. It's Tony. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Corn Pop was a bad dude, said, just worried we see a mass exodus because of Satterfield. If he's retained after oh, yeah. the Clemson game, I don't even want to think about that because I do think there will be people – a lot of players leave. And I think it's going to be harder than hell to get those back in the portal. I mean, you know, and I said this today on 107.5, Phil, uh, you know, South Carolina has been fortunate not getting hit with attrition in the portal. Um, I think there's probably going to be some attrition this year 
win or lose or, you know, Satterfield comes or goes. I, I, there's going to be a guy or two inevitably mm-hmm. that leaves that we're all like, you know, but look, man, Arkansas and LSU both had a lot of attrition this past all season to where you're kind of like, wow, I wonder what, how LSU is going to put a team on the field. Uh, and they backfield and got players. I mean, you know, both of them did. Arkansas would be better had KJ Jefferson not gotten hurt, of course, but, um, yeah, Tennessee you know, too. Though I mean, they had a lot of players leave. Yeah, Tennessee mm-hmm. did last two years, and they put it together. So, you know, that's just kind of um, one of those things. Uh, Seventy six is my only point in saying we have to recruit our own players is that it is amplified heavy by bad coaching, play calling experiences. You wouldn't have, shouldn't have to worry about most best guys leaving. Mostly, uh, I agree. I'll, I'll say mm-hmm. this though: the fans are much more upset than the players uh, now players are going to make decisions that are in the best interest of them. But one of the things Beamer has done, and, and this is part of the reason all this culture stuff, even though it may get on all your nerves when, um, you know, they lose a game or, or, or whatever. Uh, that's why the culture stuff still matters because that kind of keeps you together uh, through mm-hmm. the tough times. Um, and I get that now at some point, when the tough times are the directly the result of a a poor plan, you know you're gonna stop running into the fire, you know, for your general there to use a uh, let's use since the Civil War is all controversial, we'll we'll lose or use it like the Revolutionary War, like you know if Daniel Morgan uh, the Battle of Cowpens uh, has gotten half your battalion slaughtered. Over and over by say about by, by ridiculous plans and, and strategery, you're probably going to be a little hesitant to pick up that musket, right? By running right at them. <laughs> so at some point that happens, but at some point, you know, and at some point it's not your general. Maybe it's a sergeant or something like that. Where the you know there, there obviously is a blip in the chain of command, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, um, John says it was basketball. JC seventy six. I agree. I've been coached by both types and know the luck of fear of losing. I saw last year versus joy of playing and let the chips fall. I see now there is a big difference, you know, and look, I'll say this. And again, nothing against Frank Martin. I'm not, I'm not sitting here beating up on him, but I do think uh, kids today, players today, that just generation of players and kids, they don't take too well to call it tough love. (laughs) Um. And that's one thing Beamer changed when he got here, you know, and that's, I think that's one of the reasons why not a lot of guys left just because they, you know, they preach love and togetherness and uh, relax and, you know, in just about anything, uh, you know, you're almost better off being relaxed than nervous, you know, like I don't want, so if somebody does surgery on me, right. I don't need the head of surgery at general hospital Going in there and being like, I want you to use a scalpel like this. If you don't use this, like Bob Knight, could you imagine Bob Knight testing <laughs> you out before you go to surgery? <laughs> I want Tom Cool and Collective. Now, look, defensively or in the weight room or whatever, you need a little ass kicking. You know, you, you need an ass kicker. Uh, D line, yeah. You, I don't, I don't know of many cerebral D-line coaches that are good. There's some, but not a lot. Offensively, man, and in basketball, like John's saying, I, I think sometimes it's better to relax, you know. Uh, now, baseball, there's a happy medium because Ray Tanner 
Mm. <laughs> he did a little fiery down there. Yeah. Right, right, right. And having, you know, we can ask Jamie Bradford about this. Ray, he's, you know, he, let, let's not, you know, people call him Uncle Ray and act like he's just this clueless marshmallow now. It's not Ray Tanner as a, as a coach. Um, Jeff Fowler says, I'll talk cultures all day. Jeff Fowler's a United States Marine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that AJM2 says an interesting topic is whether we've been net winners in the portal. Okay. So all the players they brought in in the portal. And then let's see, who who have they lost? Jamie Robinson? Kobe Fields, maybe? Who else? Those are the only two that I can think of that have made a big impact. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Jamar Brown's playing at Coastal, I think. Don't know, you know, and you, you look at all these guys they brought in, and, and they're pretty good. And that's probably another shot at Rattler, which you know, seems to be your opinion. I mean, yeah, so, okay, let's take Rattler out. Is Juice Wells not good? <laughs> Does Wells he suck? So good. <laughs> He's so good. So is Austin Steiner. Austin Steiner is bad when he's actually, you know, utilized. Yeah, but now it's all of a sudden Steiner's on the milk tossing. Oh, John, I forgot about John, John Dixon. Dixon. Yeah, he's playing yeah, at Penn State. Dixon. Yeah, but those guys were out the door once. Must champ. I mean, I think I think they actually quit. Uh, or Dixon Dixon left like right after Must Champ got fired, didn't he? Or he quit? Or I don't know. Yeah, um, but see, that's a coaching change. That's a completely different. That's to be expected. Yeah. There will be attrition during a coaching change. And think yeah. about how bad that could have been and wasn't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, the Sean Fenwick's playing at Oregon State, doing pretty well, but I think he didn't. I think he knew he wasn't going to yeah, see well, the field yeah. with White and Harris and Lloyd and those guys. So, all right, we're going to take a break. If you guys think of anything else, let me know. Um, Cavalier has a question is who do you think would be a good OC? Uh, I'll answer that when we get right back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all 
ages, and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good Southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is... This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. The second hour of the show, as always, is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot Adam an email at aburgesson, that's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N, at remax.net for all of your commercial or investment real estate needs. And 8JM2, it's not that you were taking a shot at Rattler. Your question is fair. We weren't trying to really laugh at you about that. But I think you consistently bring up that the lack of talent and skill on the player side outweighs the coaching issues that we've had. And my statement for that would be, okay, we have a 23 game sample size. If we just look at the offense alone, 
do you think that year over year, okay, A, do you think year over year that the talent on the roster is was better last year or this year? And when we look at when the offensive output for this team is at its best against power five opponents, why is it always a different look than the other ones? <laughs> yeah. We consistently stall out and lose. So it was like, that's my argument against the, the players not being up to snuff. It was like it, it, and, and this goes, and the reason I bring that up first is because when we're going to, you know, what Cavalier asked about offensive coordinator hires, one of the biggest things for me in looking for an OC for next year is the ability to do more with less. Because yes. that's what you're going to have to do. Not to say that our players are less, just to say that you're going to need somebody who's going to be creative and can handle, you know, the ability to not have a roster full of four and five star kids, because that's not what you're going to get realistically here in South Carolina. It wasn't what we were getting when we were at the top of the Spurrier years. That is not what the roster was loaded with. It was that coaching staff's ability to put these guys in the right positions and simplify the concepts enough to where they knew where to be and when. Amen, Phil. Amen. Sean says Rattler is a great scramble rollout guy. Next OC needs to use him that way and only drop back occasionally to keep the defense honest. I don't see Rattler as a pro-style quarterback ever. You know, here's the thing. Let the pros figure that out, man. That's their <laughs> you know, problem. That's, that's their problem. problem. I mean, it's not your job. I mean, I think he's fine in the pocket occasionally, but you don't do anything to make them make them stay honest. I mean, they can cheat up and blitz and, and all that good stuff. So, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, mm-hmm. boots and waggles, man. Boots and waggles. Um, all that good stuff. So, uh, as far as the next coordinator goes, Cavaliers question, I, you know, I, I think it's somebody that needs to be proven. Um, unfortunately, cause I, I'm not always one that's like, you got to go get a big name. I don't think name matters. I think the numbers matter. Uh, I think, and you know, look, it's still inexact. Rob Spence, who was just a little better than Sat. uh, <laughs> Had the same kind of issues, too complicated, players not plays. Dabo mentioned it. He fired him immediately. Um, he, he was money at Toledo. Killed it. Set records. They're comparing him to Norm Chow. It didn't work out. You know, um, so it's not always – and sometimes guys work out and then things go bad. Like Eddie Grant at Kentucky. Uh, I, didn't, I never really saw where he went bad. And I, and I and Mark Stoops said this week, Phil, ah, maybe our pro style offense is a little too complicated. A little too complicated. Yeah, he, he threw what? What's that guy's name? Skurin, Skurintillo, Skurintillo or whatever. Yeah, Skurintillo. whatever. Threw him under the bus. Yeah. Well, and they were okay last year on offense, but statistically, they still were like bottom fourth of the SEC at Kentucky. Uh, you know, I, Mark Stoops. I don't think anybody would argue that he's not a talented head coach, right? Nobody'd argue that, you know. Gamecock fans certainly wouldn't. Well, he's made he's gone to this well twice in a row, and and he's about twenty five games in. 
And like, wait a minute, <laughs> we just lost a Vanderbilt at home. I mean, uh, that's a wake up call, <laughs> uh, as the Florida game should be for the game Cox and, and all the other game, Missouri, all that. So, uh, you know, if he's saying that, you know, I mean, look, I love the Rams offense. I love the 49ers offense. I love pro football. It's a, it's a different game. It's not a different sport. It's a different game, different game. Um, and you're absolutely right, Sean, you nailed it there on that. Um, and then Sean comes back. Why is Clayton White off the hook? 200 versus Vandy, 300 versus Florida. Missouri marches up and down early. His seat should be getting hot. I'm not taking him off the hook at all. Nope. Uh, I think the mandate for next year, because you, you look at some of the injuries they've had and all that, uh, you know, uh, you kind of look at that and, okay, mandate for next year. Get better against the run. Fix your defensive line. Fix your linebackers. Otherwise, you know, you probably need to make a change there. I, I I don't have a problem. I mean, I think there's bigger fish to fry right now. So um, that's the deal. Uh, yeah, Clint mentions Kier Thomas made an impact last year at FSU. Yeah. Now, Kier Thomas is one. I didn't mind him. You know, I, I thought, I mean, my man had been here for like, what, five, six years? Yeah, he's here. on his way to that long term. Yeah. <laughs> nobody played harder than that guy and took a beating mm-hmm. and gave out a beating and Florida State was where he was committed to originally. He actually committed to Brad Long at Florida State. Um, no issue with him kind of chasing a dream senior year to me. You know, I, I could have used him, yeah, but I think that was fine. John comes in with a good point. The tough decision has already been made. I don't know. Little birdies, you know. <laughs> they, they, they chirp a lot. Um, Aaron says, I got to feel up. We ended up with Willie Corn or whatever the dude's name is from Coastal. Haven't heard his name yet, but except for like uh speculation from fans, so I, I can tell you that now. I don't, I don't like know, that. I, don't I don't know. That just for me, I don't like that. Corn would be another guy that works for the guy, and I love Willie yeah. Corn. I'm kind of mm-hmm. biased, so uh, yeah, Burns kid, yeah, yeah. yeah Willie Corn gets the yeah. job, I'm gonna be Mr. Mm-hmm. Willie Corn, but that doesn't mean I'm right. Because uh, I, you know, I should look at it more objectively, but uh, you know, we'll see something like that. I just feel like Chadwell's got his fingers into that a lot deeper than than we really really realize. Yeah, uh, Taylor goes personally. I think Rattler's a good quarterback. I hope to see him come back and do way better in a different OC. I think he could thrive yeah. under a different OC. You, you got to scale it back, man. And I mean, he, Spencer's in a tough spot. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because, man, this didn't work out. And so, hmm. uh, Sean says, don't know who I want, but anybody that mentions the word pro during the interview, show them the door. Yep. <laughs> Just walk them right out. Here you yeah. go. <laughs> now, look, I'll say this. Uh, like a guy, crazy thought, right? And th- this is not going to happen. But if Cliff, let's say Cliff Kingsbury gets fired from the – the the uh the what the Cardinals, right? He's looking for an OC job in college. Yeah, there's a pro guy, but you, you know what he did in college. So that's uh Yeah, that's I'd, I'd start the the, uh, the Beamer, you know, former NFL coach rehab clinic with that one. Yeah. <laughs> you want Bill O'Brien to come dial up ball plays for you, he showed he knows how to do it at the college level. Um you know, creativity, uh 
a guy that uh, can do more with less. Absolutely. And, and the shame of it is, Phil, I think we're all going to look back and go, how in the world was this offense this bad? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I know. I, I mean, know. I look back at 2017 and think that. I mean, you know how many NFL players were on that team Roper was coaching? And Roper coaches circles around set. I look at certain plays in games this year, and I'm like, "What? How? <laughs> How are you making this player or these this group of players look so bad a vast majority of the time?" <laughs> yeah, it's like my buddy that covers another school. They're not happy with their OC at this current school, and it's like, but it's nothing compared to what South Carolina's <laughs> going through. My God. Um. Mm. Uh, yeah. Austin says Clayton White and Torian Gray made a walk on Jalen Foster to an All American. Sat turned Heisman hopeful <laughs> into what? Yeah. yeah. Look at that. John says, How many see DK as the key to beating Tennessee? Just run a veer. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if the veer was in the playbook because, you know, it's the play. There's one million plays. One million. Yes. One million. <laughs> um, I don't know. You're going to put a veer in it. If that's the big surprise, Tennessee does so well with selling out to stop the run. I, I think to carry on to be on the run all game. Now, if you could successfully execute it, John, uh, I think that's probably the smartest uh, plan I've heard about going after Tennessee because right. if you can run the veer and keep them off the field, man, I'm all for it. Because yeah, that's but, ball uh, control and, yeah, yeah, that's you're, everything you're, you need. <laughs> you're not wrong, but I have a hard time thinking they would. They would do it. Um, Saunders said, I agree to an extent on Craig, but if Sad is gone, we free ourselves of that recruiting albatross as well. Uh, when he's talking about Spencer working out, it'll be used against us in the portal recruiting. That's right, Craig, because yeah. I mean, Keith, I got to give Keith credit for that. He, he mentioned that this past offseason. They have to need him to work out because you're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, 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 maybe. Uh, I still think – okay, I, I think after a while, let's say he changes coordinators and you're still bad <laughs> on offense, that's when it starts to – because that's when it comes back on the head coach. Shane could change a good recruiter. I mean, he can always sit there and go, yep, yeah, you know, we screwed up, but we're changing it. So Yeah, he's not going to um, be here next year. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Sean says scheme versus finding mismatches. Yes, important in both NFL and college, but I feel like college is more about exploiting a mismatch. And we never see that. Boy, nope. we never, we never look. We never, I mean, we, I think there was maybe one attempt this year against uh, our, I mean, I guess the little guys, I mean, the get right games, maybe not, but, uh, yeah, I kind of throw know, those out because you, you got the, you, you line up your 11 against their 11 and you got, you know, nine mismatches. <laughs> against Arkansas, it, it, I don't think they tried to find individual mismatches because, oh, that'd have been too complicated, right? Um, they did realize Arkansas secondary was hurt and was like dun 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 bums away. Can you imagine sat in Apocalypse Now? Oh my goodness, yeah. I love the smell of playing the Robert Duvall character. Love the smell of napalm in the morning. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Come, Mr. Bigglesworth, let's bomb a Vietnamese village. Yeah, the Arkansas game, they, they had yet to install that volume of a million <laughs> plays. One million plays. Million plays. <laughs> yeah. Evan says the no change of play colors right now would be confusing to the kids, but they're already confused. 
So I'd rather watch something else be confusing than the shenanigans now. Look, I, from our standpoint, Evan, your standpoint, all that, I'm with you. You know, I, I'd be a little bit more intrigued had I had, you know, Shane came out today and was like, ah, somebody else is calling the plays. Mm. Um, you know, especially, uh, you know, this weekend against Tennessee. Um, yeah. but, but there's another element to it that I, I think, you know, cause with the coaches, with the coaches in general and, and head coaches really are very hesitant to switch coordinators this late in the season. Um, I, I know it doesn't seem like it cause Steve Spurrier was here. He's like, she don't, maybe somebody else needs to coach this or something, you know, um, but, but Spurrier didn't even do it, but once, and that was when they had a co-coordinator situation Spurrier, I mean, who here wanted John Hunt fired first couple of games in 08 as the O-line coach? Huh. You know, raise your hand. Uh, Cedric Williams, who's a really talented young coach, took over for the bowl, and you know, because finally Spurrier did it after the Clemson game. Uh, did that offensive line look – no, it looked worse. And it wasn't on said. It was like him trying to implement – what was previously taught. There's a reason you practice for a month and have installed spring practice and meetings and all that. Cause you, you get accustomed to doing something, you know, um, you know, I am chunk says, I think it would really say something about Shane and prove something to the fans if he fired him now. Yeah. But you know what? He's not, it's hard to explain. Like we're all sitting here going, there's no way they can win. No way they can win. AJM two mentions this, uh, both games, uh, I can tell you internally, they think Tennessee is going to be a tough climb, but they think they match up better with Clemson this year than last year, especially if Lloyd's back. Uh, so they're not, and I, and I think this says more about Beamer, like he's not conceding these last two games. Now, is that more kind of a conservative approach? Does that have more to do with nobody on staff can call this mess? Does that have more to do with, you know, is that a disadvantage because he's not an offensive coordinator and could take over as the head coach calling ball plays? Um, you maybe that's all fair, but but I I think there's an internal reason why there's now look two weeks from today if we're sitting here still talking about Satterfield, I'll be right there with the pitchforks and the torches. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be lighting them up. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And just bear in mind, as, as all of this plays out, is the, the contract ends at the end of December. Yeah. So you make a move in two weeks, you're beating the contract, and you're getting out ahead of it. Now, you didn't get uh, ahead of the season, but you are getting rid of them you know, before the contract expired. Yeah, and, and, and look, a miracle happens. Carolina wins the last two. I'll feel the same way. Yeah, uh, it's not going to change. I wouldn't come opinion. off of that. No, it's not. not I think you know, two games at the end of twenty-five, because and it's simply because of this, because we've seen good things before, and then it they revert back or he reverts Mm -hmm. back. So you know that's only going to last two games. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, uh, Chonk says he hates Beamer saying coach and play better. Uh, Yeah, a lot of things he says are empty. So I'm I'm looking forward to catching this press conference today, and we got to go, guys. Uh, inside the Gamecast show. Don't forget tomorrow, Josh Pate. Yeah. All right. Josh in the house tomorrow to talk a little SEC, give us a Tennessee mm-hmm. preview. Uh, Jamie Bradford, really looking forward to seeing what Bradford has to say tomorrow uh, on Wednesday. 
uh, already at hump day as we march towards Tennessee weekend. That kind of, that makes you feel a little weirder, you know, a little bit like, uh, dread <laughs> than maybe previous <laughs> years. But anyway, Tennessee weekend and then Clemson and uh, all that good stuff. We'll have the schedule uh, for Thanksgiving week for you uh, next week. Not sure exactly how many shows we'll have, but we're going to have several. Um, so we'll do that uh, right now. Um, uh, well, I, we'll do that uh, this week. All right. For Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert's been inside the Gamecocks show. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you soon.